0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone, it's Ron Johnson and this is the Ron Johnson Show on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has shifted the entire NFL. The Vikings are now the front, because at first the Lions were the frontrunner. So what is it going to take to make sure the Vikings make it to the NFC championship? Not just the NFC North champions, but the NFC championship. We'll talk about that Aaron Rodgers trade and the Vikings future coming up next on the Ron Johnson show.
1: Locked on sports, Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. Now the Ron Johnson show on the field in the broadcast booth, Ron Johnson is Minnesota sports. He's played with them, hung out with them, and grown up with all the big names in Minnesota sports. They're hanging out with Ron Johnson. It's the Ron Johnson Show on the Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. And it starts now.
0: Hey, everyone, I'm Ron Johnson, and this is the Ron Johnson Show. Looking forward to a beautiful Tuesday morning. The sun's out. There's no snow. There's no rain. I mean, this is, this is, I gotta, I gotta soak this all in, but we gotta talk about something else that's worth soaking in and diving into Aaron Rogers, Aaron L- Nathaniel. I don't even know his middle name Rogers. He is no longer a green Bay Packer. He's no longer in the NFC North. He is no longer a thorn in the side. Of Vikings fans. He's now a thorn in the side of America because this saga went on way too long and you would have assumed the haul for Aaron Rodgers would have been a lot bigger. And everybody has their opinion on this, uh, but we're, we're going to talk about that. But remember, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On, where you can make every moment more. Just visit FanDuel.com backslash Locked On today to get started. And there's some good parlays out there. Here's two of them. The Lakers have the Grizzlies down three to one and the heat have the bucks down three to one. That's a two beating a seven beating a two and an eight beating a one. So if you want to jump on a parlay, go out there and do that because even though the odds are against the one seed and the two seed, there's still some good parlays out there to be able to put those two together and just say, I think I think the heat will win this series. And I, I think the Lakers will win this series. Put some money down on it. Um, Winning three games in a row is going to be tough for any team. Speaking of winning three games in a row, that's your Timberwolves. So that's another parlay, and I'm going to tell you, put some money against the Timberwolves in that parlay because I don't think they can win three straight, but that's just me. But as I bring my producer Sam Mechstrom into the show, I want everybody to remember you can download the Locked On Sports Minnesota uh, show uh, on an app, sorry, on on, uh, Amazon Fire and Roku uh, great partners in Amazon and Roku TV devices. Just go to Locked On Sports Minnesota, search in the apps, and you can download it right there to your TV. Sam. Aaron Rodgers is no – and this is what's funny to me. And, and again, I, I, love, I love all the people out there. Uh But Adam Schefter overdid. Like, Adam Schefter, like, oh, breaking news. I don't know if you saw that clip. Breaking news. I
1: didn't buy it whatsoever. He had that sitting. He had that holster ready to go, ready to look like it was. Yeah,
0: yeah. it was so overdone. It was so like the the reaction. Like if Adam Schefter and and I'm a I I like Adam Schefter. Like if he were to tell me that, I wouldn't be like, oh my. I'd be like, yeah, it's about time. Like, why are we acting surprised? Like, oh my god, we just like and everybody's hyping it up. Oh, this is the best moment in TV. Like, I can't believe they did that. That It was such a BS move. Um, Yeah, it 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 seemed overacted. It seemed overdone. Bottom line is, this went on way too long. I love the memes though. Like, I don't know if you're. You probably. I know you've never seen this, but the Breakfast Club uh, had Soldier Boy on, and they interviewed Soldier Boy uh, up in this. Oh, watch me. You know that song, Sam. Uh, Soldier Boy, and he like went off about Little Bow Wow, I think, or somebody, because it was a song. And I forgot who he was going. Oh, Drake. No, he said Drake. He said, Drake, the rapper, who's a billionaire, millionaire, said he stole my whole flow. He stole my whole flow. That like that was my song. And they actually did play the song. And that was a soldier boy like beat that Drake had stole and redid. But everybody steals stuff and redoes it and makes it better. Michael Jackson. Come on now. But it's funny to see those memes and those videos because they're saying Brett Favre is now saying that about Aaron Rodgers. He stole my whole flow. (laughs) Aaron Rodgers stole everything. So if that's true, Aaron Rodgers now needs to uh, do pretty decent for the Jets, but come win win an NFC North uh, championship with the Vikings, go to the NFC championship with the Vikings, get beat up by the Saints, uh, get another coach suspended for cheating and trying to take Aaron Rodgers out, uh, delivering ayahuasca to his room. Uh, He then also needs to – Go out there and and I, again I can't say it because I already know he sued Pat McAfee for this so I'm not going to say what Brett Favre did after that but we're not going to talk about that but he needs to probably text some reporters Uh he needs to talk to uh, the University of California about building a new stadium or something Uh I, you know again we can't we can't say anything about Brett Favre because we know he'll we sue. don't want to get
1: sued by Brett yeah, Favre you no.
0: know Brett Favre was sued so it's all speculation we don't know what's going on with with with, with uh, Brett Favre but if Aaron Rodgers wants to steal his whole flow that's what he has to do but Sam. The tide has shifted now. The Lions were the front runners in the NFC North, which is weird. They had the Lions and the Vikings neck and neck. But now with Jameson Williams being out six games, the Lions uh, gambling. Uh, and again, not betting on football, but you, you just don't bet the facility. Like, come on. Be smart that. don't bet on sports in the facility. But you, you look at all, all that going on with the Lions. So now the Vikings jump back up there. I, as I saw another tweet out there uh, from Richard Sherman saying, Green Bay Packers, nobody's scared of you. Jordan Love and the NFC North. So don't, don't think you're going to walk into anybody's stadium with Jordan Love and scare anybody. Nobody's scared of you, which is true. Um, I'm looking forward to that Packers game. I It's going to be overdrawn as well. It's going to be overdone. If Jordan Love has a great game, then we're all going to be eating crow. Like we all can make a little crow sandwich and uh, eat it and say, you know what, Jordan Reed is the next Aaron Rodgers. Probably not, but we can have, we're we going to have to say that if he, if he balls out. But here's where I go with this, Sam. Quickly, two things, your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers, but also – what does Jordan Reed have to do this season to make people feel like the Packers are okay? Jordan
1: Jordan Love. Jordan,
0: Love, Jordan what is Jordan, next Reed. Jordan Reed's are, I'm reading Jordan Reed on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> but Jordan um, Love, what is Jordan Jordan Reed? We know what he has to do next season. He has to he has to give us some great draft takes and he, and we have Jordan Reed coming up in uh the hanging Ron Johnson segments and to stick around for the Daily 3 as well. But Jordan Love, what what does he have to do this season, Sam?
1: Like it's so weird because it depends how you feel about Justin Fields. You might say that, that Jordan love is at the bottom of the NFC North power rankings. Um, Justin Fields had such a great end the last season running the football that mm-hmm. Jordan loves proven nothing. He is starting at square one. I remember when, when Rogers first was given the reins to green Bay and I think they missed the playoffs that first year. And then the next year they were, they were really good. Um, Jordan Love just needs to show the tools. Now, he does have a decent roster around him, particularly on defense where they underachieved last year. My question is, Ron, is can Jordan Love continue to, to get something out of Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, Amari Rodgers, like these young receivers that, that Aaron Rodgers was so particular with. He works them so hard, and he's so demanding, and they, he probably makes them better in that way. Will Jordan Love be able to extract all the talent from that young receiving core? Because he needs to, because I believe they've lost Lazard. Mm-hmm. So to the Jets they don't, yeah. They <laughs> and I haven't seen exactly who they added in free agency, but it's not a very experienced receiving core. That's right. The Jets, Lazard went to the Jets yeah, to play around on
0: the wish list. Yep.
1: Yep. <laughs> so, uh, Love doesn't have a ton around him. Um, in terms of like veteran experience. So he's gotta, he's gotta really work hard to make sure that those young receivers kind of, you know, continue to rise. And I think that he's got a big part in that.
0: Well, this is what I say. One, Aaron Rodgers is not doing what Brett Favre did because he had a wish list. Brett Favre just said, I'll show up and I'll play. Aaron Rodgers, is like, if I'm pl- if I'm coming, you you gotta because they got Brees Hall now. They got Alan Lazard. Like they have they have the a really, really good defense, and they still have the 15th pick in the draft. So they can go out and get another cornerback or get another D tackle. I mean, imagine if Georgia's D tackle falls, the Jets are going to get him at 15. Like there's no question. I don't think he's going to make it out of 10 because they're saying the Eagles would take him at 10. But if he falls, the Jets are for sure going to put him next to Quentin Williams and have a wall like there's no way Jalen Carter makes it past that. And so when you think about all that, you know what could possibly happen with the Jets? Uh, they, they did give up a second round pick, uh, but that's it. They gave up. They traded back two spots for Aaron Rodgers. That's it. Two spots. Like people were thinking, they had to just give up the first round outright, and that the 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 Packers were going to get two first round picks this year. No, the Jets are like, man, no, come on now. Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to be there. So Aaron Rodgers put their feet to the fire. I love that Aaron Rodgers did that. He gave the the Packers no leverage. By going on the Pat McAfee show saying I want to be a Jet, the Jets are like, "Oh great, we know it's not Rodgers. it's you now. You're the ball's in your court. You got to make this work because he doesn't even want to be there. So do you want to sit back and get nothing, or do you want to move on, lick your wounds, and say?" And and some people are saying, "Oh, it's a, it's a 2024 conditional second round pick, so it could be a one if Aaron Rodgers does X, Y, and Z, and there's no way he doesn't do. It. So what?" Like the first round is not a guarantee. It is a guarantee that Aaron Rodgers can throw the ball. That's a guarantee. I can guarantee that he can throw the ball. He's a he's a leader. He's gonna him and Alan Lazard are gonna be a duo. He still has he still has the rookie of the offensive rookie of the year at receipt. Like that is balling. Like Aaron, Rod- and you have Brees Hall. He got hurt, but he's gonna be back. Like you have a team that can move. The ball. You have a team that can stop people on defense. You have a cornerback and sauce Gardner who can shut down half the field. So I I, I like I like the move. Um, I'm glad he's gone. Um, uh, we got Jordan Reed coming up though. So we got to jump into that because it's some big time draft talk. But Sam, this is what I say. Mm-hmm. I, I I think the Jets won that. They can say whatever they want. And the Packers fans, I know they tweeted me and uh oh, blah, blah blah and half are tweeting me this and half are half are like we're we're glad he's gone. That's what that's what girls say or boys say when they break up. And and they really did want to break up, but you know, they got to move on on social media. Like that's the, I think I hate when we broke up as kids, Sam, we didn't have to like tell people how we felt. We just broke up. Now kids break up and they got a, they got a post about how good they're doing after the breakup. Like, I'm so sick of that. Like who cares? It's over. You broke up. Your heart was broken. You don't need to tell us you're still doing good. Like you don't need to play Beyonce songs and all that. Like move on. Taylor Swift. I get it. Like she's the breakup queen. I'm sick of hearing the songs. Like, you hurt if you didn't hurt you wouldn't play a song for it like that's that's the definition of not being hurt you move on um but we got jordan reed coming up and remember people we are part partner with care 11 that's go to care 11.com backslash locked on to get all of our videos and all of our shows and before we jump into the uh, hanging around johnson segment we have a word from our sponsors
1: we are presented by FanDuel sportsbook america's number one sportsbook and official sportsbook partner of locked on NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, NFL draft props. Hundreds of ways to wager right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook app, which is safe, secure, and so easy to use. New customers get a no-sweat first bet, up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If that first bet doesn't win, download the app, check out the wagers, peruse the possibilities. You can do a a, a three-way parlay tonight on Minnesota Sports. Twins, Yankees, Wolves, Nuggets. Wild stars get in the action with the same game parlay as well. And the FanDuel app, check it out as well at FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on. Claim that no sweat first bet. Up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, make every moment more with FanDuel.
0: Well, now it's time for the Hang of Ron Johnson segment. I'm excited about this one. I got Jordan Reed from ESPN. This guy's climbed up the ranks. He's one of the top draft analysts. I uh, love listening to his stuff. Every time I see him pop up on the show uh, on ESPN when I'm watching it, him, Courtney Cronin, so on and so forth. But I love his stuff. Ryan Clark, of course. Uh, but I got to bring Jordan Reed into the, uh, into the show. Jordan, I want to appreciate you for joining me, man. You're, uh, you're doing some big things out there, uh, one of which is the NFL draft. You will be out there in Kansas City. Uh, I know I saw you ask for barbecue recommendations, but what else are you looking forward to uh, being at the draft this year?
2: You know, just being around the environment, it's a little bit different when you're actually able to experience it. And I've been to plenty of drafts, but just feeling the energy of the city, the town, and then just all the excitement of the NFL fans there. Of course, seeing the players up close, realizing their dreams come to a reality. So it's always great to experience it in a person. But this is really like the start of, uh, a breath of fresh air for every fan. Every fan feels as if this is their first step to winning the Super Bowl in twenty twenty
0: four. Speaking of the first step to winning the Super Bowl in twenty twenty four, you, you got to have some, uh, some, some. Uh, I, I guess the word is some, some cohesiveness within your building, and right now there's rumors out there of course the vikings might trade up to two the vikings might take anthony richardson if he's there at 23 uh the vikings didn't want to re-sign Kirk cousins so that's a, a telltale sign uh we don't know what that means but you know you're out there in the world of the adam Schefters and the jordan reeds and the and, and, and todd mcshays what's what's the big vikings rumor around quarterback for the vikings right now that you're hearing
2: well, I do expect them to select a quarterback. I just don't think it's going to be in the first round, in my honest opinion, just because they've done a good job of keeping their options open under center this offseason. I know they restructured Kirk's contract, added some more void years. But what Quasey has done is that he's added some younger veterans. But he's kept, I would say, his vision on the long term, um, as far as what he wants this team to be, while not sacrificing the short term. So, and I know they don't have a lot of cap space right now, but just speaking of under center – uh, they bought back the backup Mullins. He's going to be the backup next year, of course. But with Kirk only having one year left on his deal, I do expect them to take a young quarterback. But I just don't see it being in the first round. And I say that because they only have five picks right now. And Quasey has shown that he likes to maneuver and move around. They didn't originally select any of their original slots last year. He moved out of every single one. So I expect them to trade back. I think the vision that they want, and this is not with any inside information just based on some of the tendencies that he's shown last year. I think the vision for him is to have two second-round picks. I think that's like the ultimate goal for him. But if he can't get two second-round picks, I definitely expect him to trade out of 23 to make a late first-round pick somehow.
0: Yeah, I've said I could see him doing late first and then a second or late first and a third uh, for that trade back. I mean, when you think about the Jets trading back two spots only to get Aaron Rodgers – uh, but also then giving up a 2024 conditional pick. Um, it, it seems like it, it's, again, it's a buyer and a seller. I've learned this in this business. If you find somebody that's willing to buy it, are you willing to sell it? And that's all that matters. So people can say whatever they think the value is worth. It's whatever that GM pulls the trigger. Uh, but again, a first for if somebody really wants something at 23, like if Anthony Richardson is there and the Vikings don't think he's the guy. Uh, yeah, I could see though. I, I do believe that as well. I thought second and third is kind of where I'm going with it. Um, but Hendon Hooker, Hendon Hooker is a name that, that, that people have. And, and me personally, uh, I liked him at Tennessee. I watched his Alabama game. Uh, usually those games are when the stars come out and him and that number 11 receiver, man, they came out, but he heard his ACL. And before he heard his ACL, he was one of the top five quarterbacks. Do you see an opportunity there at 58, 64, uh, that if he's there for the Vikings, that that could be the future of the Minnesota football team?
2: I mean, it makes a lot of sense when you think about it as far as Hendon possibly being ready for training camp, but you have Kirk there for another year, so you don't need to force him back mm-hmm. off of the knee injury. Everybody glows about his leadership, his maturity. He's very charismatic, having been around him. I got an opportunity. I actually was there when he tore his ACL. Um, yeah. when I was at that game, so really unfortunate for him. But seeing him up close, the leadership that he has is infectious. The way he operated at offense, he was the orchestrator. Um, but that's the big worry about him. Just how well can he play outside of that college-oriented offense, that Tennessee offense? Mm-hmm. They took advantage of those wider alignments, those wider splits, and re- really a lot of isolation routes. There wasn't a bunch of full-field reprogressions like he's going to have to do in Kevin O'Connell's offense. So, let's say the Minnesota does select him. Um, I think it would be a good fit. Just speaking of the playing style with him, um, not being rushed into playing, and then. I always said Hendon needs to go to a team that's already established with him being an older prospect and mm-hmm. being a 25, 25, 26 year old Ricky, you really want to take advantage of that rookie contract, that that fifth year option. that's say if they take him at 23 or even the four year deal that he's on. So him going to an established team like Minnesota would be good, but you factor in some of the other things into the equation, the ACL, him being a little bit older. And then is the hurdle going to be too big for him to make as far as playing outside of that offense? So, There's a lot of positives and negatives to it. Uh, If I had to guess, I don't think they're going to select them just because of Mm -hmm. those variables. Um, But like I said, I think they're going to select a quarterback, but I think it's going to be day two or day three.
0: Got it. And if if you were to tie a quarterback to the Vikings, what are like three names out there that you would put in the late second, third round for the Vikings to pick a quarterback?
2: So there's two that I feel really good about, and they've actually met with both of them at the combine, and one of them came on a 30 visit. The first one is Tanner McKee of Stanford. Okay. He fits a lot of what Kevin O'Connell wants to do. He actually reminds me a lot of O'Connell as a quarterback when he was coming out of San Diego State. Big guy, six foot six, two 220 pounds. Natural pocket passer, can operate in any type of scheme, in my opinion. They did a lot of different things with him at Stanford. isn't mobile by any stretch of the imagination, so that's the big worry about him. Can he operate off script? Can he play outside of the pocket? And then the other quarterback who they've been linked to a lot and done a lot of homework on is Dorian Thompson-Robinson of Uh UCLA, which is one of my favorite quarterbacks as far as a day two or day three option in this draft. was phenomenal during his senior year with Chip Kelly operating that high-octane offense, career best, 69% completion percentage, career high, 27 passing touchdowns. And UCLA won nine games last year, which was their most since 2014. So very powerful arm, very mobile, kind of has that Tyrod Taylor type of feel to his game. Um, A lot of people have used that comparison for him. I think he has a little bit more upside. Tyrod, in my opinion, so he's the one to watch. Maybe like the fourth or the fifth round if they want to take a day three quarterback. Yeah,
0: it's funny you say that because we had Deshaun Foster on UCLA running back coach, former Carolina Panther, um, and he talked about just that offense and Chip Kelly's effect. You know, because he was, you know, he's been around college football for a while now, and he did mention that that the running backs, you know, they're they're asked to do different roles there. So a quarterback like that who's had the running game but been asked to kind of be a guy to spread the ball around uh it, it fits it does fit i like that and again i think whatever they drab the cool thing about it is you can get kirk for not just one but two years like you can get him this year and then you can still find a way to say hey man let's run it back for one year let's see what happens uh because then you have to move on and and, and resign jj or maybe even do it at the same time as kirk and you know jj's gonna want a lot of money like he's gonna be 150 160 170 million dollar receiver if not 200 million dollars um with this new salary cap and and just the way the market's going, uh his ceiling, I don't think we've seen it yet for what a receiver positive acts for. And, and and speaking of quarterbacks, um, you're a black quarterback, you play a quarterback. Now you see a guy like Justin, or not Justin Fields, well Justin Fields one of them, but you see a guy like Jalen Hurts uh, setting the market. Doing something nobody's ever done in NFL history, over fifty million dollars a year. Uh, said he didn't want big guarantees though because he still wants to win another, or he wants a chance to keep winning championships and trying to get back to the Super Bowl. Um, when you think about that, in far as changing the narrative, because black quarterbacks often were seen as, oh, they're not as smart, but they're super athletic. Let's get them. What is it about Jalen Hurts and guys like that that are starting to change that narrative?
2: Well, with Jalen, he was always one that I said I would never bet against just because everywhere that he's been, he's been able to adjust and he's been able to show growth as a passer. Even when it was at Alabama, when he was on a run-centric offense, he was able to adjust. And then also Oklahoma, everybody never understood the fit with him there. But he showed that he can adjust to a spread system. And now in Philadelphia, a lot of people questioned when they drafted him with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was at his peak but Jalen was one of those players that you would never bet against just because he's like I call him a chameleon. Like no matter the environment that he was in, he could change the color to adjust to fit whichever one that he was in to just blend in. That's what he's able to do. And he has that quiet confidence and that charisma that you love to see. And he just lets his game do the talking. So he he set the standard. Um, I was really happy to see him get the contract because he's fully deserving of it. He was one of those quarterbacks that really truly had to start from the bottom And he continued to prove the doubters wrong, which is something that he's continued to do throughout his career, even during the benching in the national title game. When Tua came in and helped them win that national title, a lot of quarterbacks probably would have never bounced back from that. But he continued to grind. He continued to work. And it's paid off for him.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at now the NFL with Tua. Uh, you got Justin Fields, you got Patrick Mahomes, you got Dak Prescott. Uh, you know, you can go down the list. And so it is changing. But now they have this new S2 cognitive test, and you're around all the draft people. Uh, you know, I, I took the Wonderlick test. You remember the Wonderlick test as well. It's dumb, in my opinion. Like, I don't care how many dozen eggs. If I take two dozen away, who, who cares? Like, I got to run a 12 yard out route, I got to run a 15 yard comeback. I get it quick on my feet. How quick can I, you know, am I good with numbers and stuff like that? Yeah. Um, I don't think that translates all the time in the football. Like I remember, uh, I think Fred Smoot was one of the guys that like walked out of the test and didn't really care about it. Uh, I remember Riche Caldwell and Jabar Gaffney and, uh, and, uh, Kelly Campbell and Rohan Davy, like in the, maybe it's the SEC. Uh, but they were all joking about it. Like, oh man, this test is stupid. Uh, you know, and we're all in the room and the Steelers scouts looking at us like, man, if y'all don't shut up and finish this test so I can get out of here. And so now you have this S2 cognitive test they've added, and it's more of a quarterback-driven test. Uh, what what have you heard about it as far as – because people are saying, like, if they do well, it doesn't mean they're going to be great, but it's less likely they will be a bust. And if they do bad, it doesn't mean they're going to be a bust, but it's it, it less likely they're going to be great. So how are GMs talking about this S2 cognitive test?
2: So the Saints – were originally the team that really started the whole team or Mm -hmm. excuse me, that started the whole thing with the S2 cognitive test and with their success and some of the players that they've had some success with drafting um, the whole league really started to catch on. And every team is looking for a cheat sheet that I like to call it or Mm -hmm. a cheap way to help them with these educated guesses in the NFL drafts, because there's no exact science to finding players that can stick on your roster. So they're going to take every single piece of the puzzle that they can take. And with this S2 cognitive test, I've never seen one. Uh, I've never taken one. So I can't really speak on exactly what it is or what it tests, but it puts your mind through a lot of things, obviously similar to the Wonderlick test. And it makes you think a lot. So it's just testing your reactionary skills and just how deep of a thinker that you are. So I think that's why it's more so of a quarterback driven test just because it puts you through a lot of things psychologically uh, but as far as some exact questions or anything like that, I don't know. I can't speak on that. But it's something that I plan to look into after the draft. That actually was one of the homework assignments that I've been given just to look more into <laughs> that test. So that's something that I plan to do. So I can't really speak on as far as the questions and exactly what it asks, but I know it is similar to the wonder and that it tries to keep you on your toes and keep you thinking and just, how, just test how deep of a thinker that you are.
0: Yeah, and, and so everybody's looking at, like, the players who've taken it and done well. And then guys like C.J. Stroud, you know, all these things are coming out, you know, and you see Brady Quinn now say like, oh, he missed the man in camp and he ghosted him. But one, he didn't ghost him. That's just you not understanding the culture slang. Uh, ghosted means you never, ever say anything ever. He actually told yeah. them he wasn't <laughs> coming. He's going to work out what do I say. So even that pissed me off because I'm like, I get it. Your job is just to report what you've heard, but at least learn the lingo. Like, don't just get out there trying to yeah. try to be cool and talk cool like you're one of the cool kids. Like, oh, he ghosted him. No, he didn't. You don't even know what that means. Like, ghosted <laughs> means you literally are a ghost. You never see them again. Like, you don't hear from them. He actually told the Mannings, he hey, I'm not coming. I'm going to work out with my guys. So this is where I go with this. A lot of, like, uh, and I'm not going to make it racial. I think a lot of leaders, if they were to call and say, hey, man, I'm going to hang out with the guys I've been hanging out with and work out with them and get ready for my season – People would praise them like, oh, you're not going out to be a part of the party and hang out with the cool guys you're... But they're using this for some reason. And every year a story comes out. Dalvin Cook had it his year. Uh, we remember the video of the of the smoke and the weed. But but what is it about something like that that people are trying to throw at CJ Stroud, whether it's his agent doesn't want to be a Texan? Uh, who knows what? But what, where is this coming from? Like, why is this all of a sudden coming out?
2: Well, Ron, a lot of times you get teams that lie and tell him to leak that stuff. Um, just to get CJ to fall, so <laughs> it might have been something that wasn't even true, and now it's a situation that where that didn't even happen, and right. now everything's blowing up uh, in his face. So sometimes you get a lot of a lot of times where teams just leak stuff on purpose, just because it's lion season. That's what everybody calls this, right? <laughs> and they try to the cast teams astray. They don't want to give any clues, and it's a it's a game of gamesmanship, especially when right. you get two to three days outside of the draft, you're gonna see. You're probably going to see teams saying Will Levis is going to go one to the Panthers. It was C.J. Stroud two weeks ago. It was Bryce Young last week. It may be Anthony Richardson tomorrow. We don't know. So it's all a game of gamesmanship. And that's the fun part about all of this stuff and the suspense. It kills everybody. And I'm just ready to finally have answers to a lot of the things that we want clarity on.
0: Yeah, because uh, I, I know I'm working for the Vikings this weekend. Uh, we're doing a Thursday show at the at the stadium, uh, the Miller Lite draft party or whatever. And then we're doing something Friday when the guy flies in again. Uh, I can't I, I can't say everything they've told us that might happen, uh, but we have some Friday plans. Uh, and so I'm going to be very careful because last year I made the mistake of saying something that nobody knew about. I had to delete the tweet. Uh, so I'm going to be very careful about that. But we do have some Friday plans. We have some Saturday plans. Uh, and so I'm with you. Like, I'm ready to, to be done with this. I'm ready to get the guys drafted. Let's start talking about them. Let's let's fill this puzzle up together. Uh, uh, last two before we jump into the Daily Three. That's three questions, three minutes each. With myself, Jordan and Sam. Uh, when you look at Gophers cornerbacks, so. Because the Vikings quarterback situation with Kirk Cousins, in my opinion, and I had Santana Moss, uh, he and I sat down. We're going to air that interview next week after the draft. But Santana Moss spoke highly of Kirk Cousins, played with him with the Washington football team. And uh, everything Santana said about Kirk, so stick around for that, fans. It's it's spot on about what he said. And so, one, I'll kind of cheat a little bit. He said a lot of people just hate him because he's not flashy. He's not special he's not you know he's not that guy like he's not the guy that you're gonna put on a suit and go to the party with like he's a family man that's gonna get in his minivan and go home and so that's not sexy and so he said that's the difference in like Kirk Cousins a lot of these other quarterbacks people want to make their franchise you know Joe Joe Namath putting on a fur coat that's never gonna be Kirk Cousins but when you look at the cornerback so switching from quarterback to cornerback the Minnesota Vikings uh got rid of Patrick Peterson uh they cut Cam Dantzler uh, they didn't re-sign Chris Boyd. They didn't re-sign Duke Shelley. They have a lot of holes, but they did sign Byron Murphy, who Ryan Clark told me uh, is a very solid, smart, savvy corner who can play outside and inside, so the Vikings got a good pick there. Uh, they have Andrew Boo Jr. from last year, and then they still have a Caleb Evans, who I personally said day one when they drafted him with his length and his speed and his recovery like arm length and able to like knock a ball away late if he's beat. Uh, I think they can be a solid three, but they're going to need – a second or third round corner to fill in that puzzle with those guys when you look at guys like uh tyler or sorry not tyler newman but uh terrell smith with the gophers cornerback uh, uh jordan houghton both guys you know probably day two day three guys third to six round picks uh what is it about the minnesota vikings that possibly should take them or their other cornerbacks on day two or three that you like
2: Uh, So I can speak on Smith. First, I had an opportunity to see him out in Las Vegas when he was at the East-West Shrine game. And Mm -hmm. I thought he had a terrific week of practice. And he struggled a little bit that first day. But that second and that third day, you really saw the growth from him. He has natural fluidity at the position. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how dense and how thick he was up close. He's a really impressive player up close as far as how his body looks. Uh, He was really in shape. And then I love the attitude that he plays with. You saw some of that. Um, competitiveness I would say that you love to see from corners he's very outspoken you can see the competitive drive that he played with and when he made an incompletion or forced an incompletion you heard about it and I love that from corners just because I think half the battle as a corner entering the league is that you have to have confidence just because you're going against some of the best athletes in the world and you're moving backwards while they're moving forwards so you have to have that confidence that technique he's very polished he's a welcoming tackler um, and then he tested really well at the combine. So I thought he helped himself a lot throughout the pre draft process. Probably fourth round. I think that's a sweet spot for him. I'm much higher on him than a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I would take him in the third or the fourth round, honestly. I like him that much, just based off of what I've seen. I think he can be that third or fourth corner initially that could eventually develop into a starter, but he's going to give you A-plus value on special teams right away. That's really where he's going to have to make his hay early on in his career. But I think he has the potential to eventually develop into a starter. So, I like Smith a lot. Uh, Third or fourth round is where I personally would take him, but if I had to guess fourth round, I think that's the sweet spot of where he eventually goes. And then Howding, he's more so the late round option. Um, I love the physicality that he plays with. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be a starter on the next level, honestly, uh, just because he has some some limitations as far as his athleticism, but he he operates really good off of instincts. He's a core four special teams player. He's going to be on every single special teams for you too. So, He's more so of that down the line depth piece that can get you through some emergency situations. If a starter goes down for a period of time or if a front end starter just needs a break in between a series or anything like that, you don't feel nervous about putting him out there. So but where similar to Smith. He's going to have to give you some value or a lot of value on special teams. That's where he's going to have to make a lot of his money, especially early on in his career if he wants to stick on a roster.
0: Yeah, last one before we get to the Daily Three. Uh, a lot of people are saying that the Vikings don't have quality receivers after Justin Jefferson. I think K.J. Osborne personally, I think he can get it done as a number two. Uh, he he did a great job as a three, um, and so now he'll have more usage. But do you see the Vikings uh, possibly even because people are saying, oh, they still have some, some free agents out there. Maybe they can get or do you see them trying to draft a receiver to pair with Justin Jefferson?
2: Yeah, I think they need to. Um, They have to because there's a lot of production going out the window or out the door with Adam Thielen gone. I think he had 109 targets last year, which is a ton. Um, And we know in O'Connell's offense, he likes to stay in 11 personnel a lot. So they not only need that second guy, which K.J. Osborne can be, but they need that consistent third guy. And Mm -hmm. K.O.C., he's shown that he likes to move his receivers around a ton. There isn't a slot only or outside only guy. So they need that flexible player that can play inside and outside. We know Hawkinson probably is going to be the second option. So they need somebody that can step up and be that third guy, whether it's KJ or somebody else that they bring in. But I also want to talk about Jalen Naylor too. I think a lot of people are really sleeping on him. He showed some promise down the back stretch of the year. And I'm not saying he's going to be a 500 or 600 receiving yard guy, but I think he's going to bring some explosive dynamic plays to them next year, whether it's out of the backfield with some jet sweeps or things like that, or even some screen passes. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised by him next year. So, um, I could see him you know, catching a couple touchdowns next year. That wouldn't surprise me either.
0: Oh, I like that. I like that. Well, we got uh, the Daily Three coming up with myself and Sam and Jordan. But before we come back with that, we have a word from our sponsors.
1: Yeah, thanks a lot, Ron. Uh, let me just tell you about the NFL Draft Buzz newsletter authored by our own Luke Inman of Locked On Sports Minnesota. He gives you the latest draft intel right to your inbox. NFL Draft Buzz. Subscribe at LockedOnPodcast.com slash newsletters
0: well now it's time for the daily three that's three questions three minutes each we're gonna give most of the time to Jordan and I'll pick up where he left off take it away Sam all
1: right Jordan uh you touched on a couple of my questions while you were talking to Ron but let me go a little off script so I was gonna ask you about sleeper quarterbacks he talked about Robinson you talked about Tanner McKee so I'm actually gonna go back to kind of the big five um if you were picking for Carolina number one which quarterback are you building your future around
2: Oh, I'll take Bryce Young, quarterback of Alabama. I just think he's he's so special. The poise that he plays with, the leadership that he has, just being around Bryce and being able to experience him, you fall in love with him. But it all goes back to just how comfortable you feel with the size. And it's something that he's been battling with his entire life. He's been productive in the best conference of college football, in my opinion. He stood out in every single way that he could. And I think a lot of people were sleeping on just how good he was last year. And in the two losses that Alabama had a season ago to LSU and Tennessee, he gave them a fighting chance in both of them. And it was their defense that ended up letting them down. And if you think about it, Alabama was not good at wide receiver last year. His leading receiver was Jameer Gibbs, who was a running back. He led them in catches, and he led them in receiving yards too. So he wasn't playing with that usual litany of weapons like we've seen at Alabama. They're not going to have a first round receiver this year. But if you think about the players that have come out of there in previous seasons, Alabama has always been loaded at wide receiver. And that just wasn't the case last year. And they weren't very good up front last year either, too. So it was a situation of where he was making everything work out there by himself. And he's just a magician. Um, But I love the poise that he plays with. And he plays with the same heartbeat, no matter the magnitude of the situation. So I I would pick Bryce Young's number one overall.
0: Yeah. And this is the one I like I'm I'm struggling with size and I think I need to get that out of there and stop worrying about it because we know Russell Wilson wasn't tall. Uh, Drew Brees, you know, we talked to him at the playoffs as well. And when he came to the Vikings game, because his son's a Justin Jefferson, Jefferson fan, super random. Uh, but, you know, he was say I asked him about that, too. And he was saying, you know what, if they can figure out a launch angle, if they can figure out how to work the pocket, they can be fine. And Frank Wright maybe as a guy to do that. So I could see that. But I don't know why, but Will, but Will Levis, after seeing Dan Orlovsky talk about Will Levis and the, the Josh Allen comparison, um, the fact that his receivers were Barry and Brown was his best one at 628 yards, Dane Kaye and Tavion Robinson. Like, he didn't have weapons, and so I'd be interested to see how he goes. I mean, I hate the videos of size and throw them from your knees because that never seems to work out for guys. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I, I did like the video and the tape that Dan Orlovsky put out there yesterday because – he, he does have that Josh Allen type of foot movement. He does have the size. He does have the same launch angle with the throw. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with that because, yeah, like you said, Sam, the top five, um, it, it's going to be interesting because they're going to dictate the rest of this draft. People are saying if quarterbacks start to fall, you're going to see other positions start to suffer because other teams are going to get spooked and, and try to figure this thing out. So I'll be interested to see. And, again, if there are some of them at, at 23, and the Vikings don't take a quarterback at 23 and one of those big five are there. It's, it's going to be interesting how these fans are going to react. And I'm looking forward to it because I'll be there and uh, I'll get to see their reactions real time. So what you got next, Sam?
1: Yeah, uh, Jordan, I told Ron yesterday that I-, I think the Vikings actually have a sneaky need on the defensive line. I think their interior is a little thin. We don't know the futures of Daniil Hunter or uh, Zedaria Smith. Uh, so I'm looking at pick 23. I've seen a lot of people project Kalijah Kansi as an interior pass rusher. What do you think about Kalijah Kansi, uh, number 23 for the Vikings?
2: I like him a lot. It will be really interesting just because if you think about it and you look at Quasey's draft history from a season ago, he values explosive athletes. So every player that they took last year in the 10-yard split, it was in the 80th percentile or higher. So that shows that he values that first-step explosion. And we know with Kansi, I think he ran uh, he ran 4'6", I believe it was, at 280 pounds, which is an outstanding number for him. And if you think about it, undersized defensive tackle from Pitt, uh, we've heard this song before, Aaron Donald. <laughs> now, I'm not saying Kaliza Kansi is Aaron Donald, but they win in a lot of similar ways as far as the first-step explosion. He has very strong hands. And even if he doesn't get sacks, he creates penetration and he forces quarterbacks off of their launch points, which is something that Brian Flores really values a lot. But the big question that Kansi is going to have to answer is that can he consistently hold up as a run defender, which is something that he really struggled with at Pitt. And if he struggles with that on the next level, now it's really going to be hard for him to be a three down player. So is that worthy of a first round investment the way he affects the pass he's definitely worth it but he has to take that next step as a run defender in order to prove that he can be a first-round worthy type of player i
0: was gonna say he is the exact same size as aaron donald at 6'1 281 like literally mirror images um they have taken a pit player before with the minnesota vikings uh he he's been so so i mean it's it's worked out but yeah aaron donald uh he's a freak of nature like his speed his ability and at 4'6 and this is where i look at it with the twist and the end splits and all the things that maybe Brian Flores wants to do. Cause we know we've heard a lot about zero coverage. Uh, Ryan Clark talked about that, his ability to, to play man, but then still have help behind him with the safety, you know, and, and do it sneakily where you feel like that safety's not there to help, but he actually is, and so on and so forth. So there's a, and he has a smart guy in Harrison Smith. So if you do want to put pressure on this quarterback, you don't want to give him a lot of time because you're going to be in man. A guy like Clancy could be it because, yeah, I mean, with 4 6 speed um it, it's can his body hold up and, and we know what aaron donald did with the supplements and the workouts and the lifting and and just you know taking care of his body um that's going to be the things for a guy with that size at 280 to be able to handle 340 330 pound guys hitting them every single play um but we do know there's sub packages we know there's ability for him to play within the three technique the five technique so we'll see what brian flores but everybody's saying flores is going to stick to a three four um so that could be an easy guy that can be, you know, the the end or the tackle in the three four that can move around. Uh so yeah, so there there's a lot there. What you What's the last one, Sam?
1: Yeah, last one. Gophers connection. I've seen John Michael Schmidt, the center, projected right on the edge of that first round. I'm curious if you, Jordan, think he is a first round pick.
2: Yeah, like it wouldn't surprise me if he goes as high as twenty to Seattle. Wow. We know we know their board is always the most impossible to predict. And Seattle always throws us for a loop every single draft, it seems like. So with them having a need at center, I could see him going that high, but I don't think there's any way he gets outside of the second round just because the center class isn't overly great um, between him, Joe Tippman, and then also Luke Whippler of Ohio State. I think those are your three top guys at the position. But any one of those three could be the first one selected. My personal favorite is John Michael Schmitz. I fell in love with him at the Senior Bowl. I thought he was without question the best player there or the most consistent player there and just getting to know him a little bit, the consistency that he plays with, the leadership that he has, and just how how good his body looked at the time. Um, has that barrel chest, uh, very round and dense type of player. So, you know, a very different from Garrett Bradbury and um, that he can, pl- he can play in his own scheme. He can play in a man-got-power scheme. There's so many different things that he can do and so many ways that he can win. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if he goes as high as C, as excuse me as high as the Seahawks at twenty, um, but there's no way he gets outside of the second round in my opinion. Yeah, no, I
0: think John Michael Schmidt, he's, he's proven he's one of the best. Uh, he did get injured his senior year before, uh, after, the, or during the bowl game or before the bowl game, so he didn't enter the draft, came back this year, played the entire season healthy. Uh, Brian Callahan, his offensive line coach, has continued uh, to put great linemen out there. When you look at Daniel Falele uh, and, and the list goes on with the, the guys they're recruiting, John Michael Schmidt, is just another one in the list, and then Gophers in the past, Ben Hamilton, uh, Mark Setterstrom, uh Greg Eslinger, uh, University of Minnesota and Minnesota, the state of Minnesota has just had great linemen, uh, for a while. And John Michael Schmitz just another one, but just like any other offensive coordinator, uh, quarterbacks know this is coming can, can, can. got to Omaha got actually one last one before we get out of here. Um, when, when you think about uh, this because John Michael Schmitz, one of them, the seventh year, the sixth year seniors, like Chris Altman Bell at the University of Minnesota, it's gonna be his seventh year. What does that look like? Because I know when we interviewed you before, you used to always talk. And every time I've heard you talk, you always talk about that age. Like, oh, if you can get him at 21, you get him on a rookie deal. He's 25 before, you know, it's time for that. These guys, some of these guys are going to be 30 looking at their (laughs) second contract. What what are GMs or what are you hearing about that now? These seventh year guys because of COVID uh, that are draft eligible. They're valid athletes, but it's like, man, like you said, Hendon Hooker, he might play four years and be 29 and still on his first contract what What are you hearing
2: about that it really just depends on the team honestly more of your analytically driven teams they're going to shy away from older prospects but something that's been constant with every team that I've talked to is that they only get red flagged for age when they turn 25 prior to the draft so somebody like Hendon Hooker would be red flagged um, Autumn Bell would be red flagged too just, just because they turned 25 prior to the draft so That would be a red flag uh, for most teams, but more of the analytically driven teams. They shy away from taking those older prospects just because you get more bang for your buck financially. And just using Justin Jefferson for an example, he came into the league at 21 and he's probably going to sign his second contract at 24 or 25 years old. So um, there's a lot of advantages to taking these younger players. So. Um, I was going to say, how do we go through without talking about Mo Ibrahim? I'm surprised you guys <laughs> didn't ask about him, man. Hey, with
0: we'll throw him out there. Which, what, what you got on Mo?
2: <laughs> I like him. Um, it's just how comfortable you are with the durability. And then with the running backs, we know they very rarely get that lucrative second contract. So he's one of those guys you could use for three to four years, um, grind them down into a sense. I hate using that term. But with mm-hmm. running backs, they there's some teams that run them into the ground and just move on to the next. But with Ibrahim, he's a player that I think is going to be – a very welcome addition to a committee as a runner. I don't think he's going to give you a lot in the passing game. That's just not his area of expertise. But as far as being an add-on to a committee, I think he's going to help a team on the next level, probably in the late rounds, probably won't go into the sixth or the seventh rounds because of the medicals with the say, medical history. Yeah, with, with his medical history, history though, had. when you look at his yeah.
0: game, what's his draft comp? Like if you're looking at a player and you're like, this is Mo Ibram's uh, uh, draft comp, who would it be?
2: Uh, that's a good question. I don't have one that immediately comes to mind. Um, yeah, I don't have one that immediately comes to mind. But, you know, a late-round a late runner that I think is going to help somebody uh, in the late rounds. And we saw what these late-round guys could do. Isaiah Pacheco was a great addition yep. to the Chiefs last year in the seventh round. So you can find these running backs anywhere. Teams aren't really pressed to find them early on just because it's such a devalued position and it's so disposable. Um I mean we could see him go somewhere in the late rounds.
0: So does that hurt Bijan Robinson the fact that like you said running backs you can find them in late rounds? Is that as our team's kind of now balking on we we got to take him in the top 5, top 6, top 10 even?
2: This is the number one storyline I can't wait to see resolved during the draft <laughs> just because everybody you talk to there's no way he's getting outside the top 20. There's just no way. Everybody says that, but it seems like we get a running back to go in the first round every other year but with Bijan Everybody agrees that he's a top three to five player in this draft class. It's just a matter of how comfortable are you with taking a first-round running back. And every team is different. Every team you talk to says we would be comfortable if he's there for us. I still think he could go as high as Atlanta to number eight overall. That wouldn't be surprising to me. I know that would be surprising to a lot of people, but Atlanta has shown that they don't really care about uh, positional value. They're going to take the best player on their board. And, I mean, they took Kyle Pitts with the number four overall, a tight end. So yep. they don't really care about positional value, and Atlanta has shown that they're going to take the best player available. But I don't think there's any way he gets past the Chargers at 21. So I think that's his ceiling and his floor. Number eight overall to number 21, I think he goes somewhere in that range.
0: Oh Well, that'll do it for uh, – hey, oh, you know what? One, one quick one, though, because you did say that. If he <laughs> doesn't – so say the Chargers don't get him at 21 – uh, the Minnesota Vikings have talked about trading Dalvin Cook. Could you see the Vikings – if he's there at 23, did you see the Vikings taking the Bijan John Robson at 23, knowing they want to move on from Dalvin Cook's big contract?
2: If they didn't re-sign Madison, I would say, yeah, I think they would explore it or think about it. But with Madison coming back and then Cal- uh, Dalvin Cook, excuse me, still being on the roster, mm-hmm. they already have too much money tied up into the position, in my opinion. Now you talk about adding another first-round running back. I just don't see how you're going to have touches for all of those guys, you're going to have to get rid of one of them. Right. Uh,
0: and that's because. what people are saying. People are saying they could trade Dalvin cook during the draft. Maybe, maybe today, tomorrow, you know, that's been the rumor out there, of course. But of course, like you said, people leak stuff agents or whatever to force other people's hands. Uh, so who knows how true it is? We'll find out. Cause I love when uh, like Mel Kiper, says he knows something and then it doesn't happen and then he starts looking at his phone because you can see he's trying to figure out like why did this dude tell me this like
2: it's no (laughs) Mel's my guy man he's Mel's awesome he's a encyclopedia of knowledge and um just how you see him on tv that's exactly how he is in person
0: yeah i I love that i love like the phones like i love now that people use phones on during the broadcast because you could tell they're getting the text and then they're looking back after, like, wait, he didn't even do it? Like, wh- wh- who, who texted me that? Like, why'd you text me that? So, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the fans. They're going to be at US Bank Stadium. Everybody's going to be down there waiting to see what the Minnesota Vikings do. That's Jordan Reed. I'm Ron Johnson. I want to thank Sam Extrem. Also, I want to thank the sponsors that continue to support us FanDuel, uh, Built Bar. Uh, and remember, people, that no sweat first bet. Just go to fanduel.com, backslash locked on, and you can earn money just by playing. And again, the Lakers are going to win. So you might have to wait a couple games. Bet on the Lakers. Trust me. That's going to be, that's going to pay out. LeBron is going to get this done. But I'm Ron Johnson. Again, that's Jordan Reed's Ron Johnson Show. And have a great day.
1: Hey, Prime members.